Hello and welcome to the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I am an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo with students from all over the world to help them achieve their college dreams. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date as well. And please leave us a rating or any kind of feedback as that not only really helps this podcast reach more people, it also lets us know how we're doing and how our content, what you would like to listen to and what would you like to hear more of. If you want to email me directly or you have direct feedback or you want to have some questions you would like to inquire about, please reach out to me at tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. That is tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. Really quickly, we do have one event coming up in June. This is for students who are a little bit younger. Uh, we are going to have a panel discussion around getting into boarding school, especially as kind of high schools become a little bit more difficult or there's a kind of debate around the, the value proposition of high school's boarding school also becomes a more interesting option for family, international families especially who uh, want to send their kids to the U.S. And so on June 18th from 7 to 8 p.m. we're going to have a panel discussion with myself and the leads for the boarding school admissions at Tokyo Academics and we're going to talk a little bit more about what it takes to get into boarding school in this day and age. So if you're interested in that, that'll be June 18th um, from 7 to 8 p.m. Japan standard time. So if you are on the East Coast, that's going to be a little bit early. But if you register for the event, you will get the recording of the whole event. So please go to tokyoacademics.com slash events to sign up. Be great. All right. So today there was this really interesting article that came out on from the Chronicle of Higher Education, and it is written by Beth McMurtry. And it came out on May 17th, so about a week ago, and I've taken some time to read through it. And it raises this very interesting question that I wanted to talk about when it comes to universities and their general education requirements. Okay. And this is something that really hits for, in particular for international families, because the general education requirements were historically built on this idea of very similar to how high school is, right? That we want to produce graduates who are not specialists. We want to produce graduates who have a wide range of understanding so that they can head into a working world where there are people from all different walks of life and all different interests, and they can work well together, that they can live in the same space and have some degree of understanding and empathy, right? A good example of a general set of general ed requirements is the core curriculum at Columbia. So very prestigious university, my alma mater, uh, the core curriculum requires you as a student, as an undergrad student at Columbia, regardless of your major or your interests, right? You're going to have take to take classes in Western civilization, take some basic classes in math and science, right? And take classes in art and literature and across all of these different areas. Areas. So the core curriculum is kind of one of the defining characteristics, actually, of the Columbia University experience. And this is true at all many other schools, right? As much as we think of liberal arts schools as the only schools who do this, most schools, at least for undergrad, do have liberal arts style basic graduation requirements. Even the schools that are open curriculum are going to have some base things that they want to be able to confidently say every single one of our graduating students is bare minimum able to do a certain level of reading, writing, math, etc. And this is true when I went to college. This is probably true when many of you listening went to college, right? You get there freshman year, right? You uh, you start to plan out your courses over the summer before you get to college and you look at this course curriculum like, oh my gosh, look at all these cool things that I can take. Oh, I have to take a freshman writing seminar. I have to take PE. 
I probably need to take math even though I'm going to be an English major and I already know I'm going to be an English major, right? I have to take a couple sciences and I am probably going to have to take like social dance, right? Um, to fulfill all of these lists of general education requirements. And that the philosophy makes sense, right? It's fairly similar to why you have to take all of these different classes in high school as well, is that we want to produce students who have a major. So there is a specialization, but that their foundation is well-rounded and their foundation is standardized, right? So that we as a college can say that we are producing a certain caliber of student who meets certain bare minimum expectations of standard definitions of intelligence and capability, okay? What this article looks into is why that is no longer acceptable. And this article is fascinating. So if you do want to look it up, it is called Repairing Gen Ed, and it is by Beth McMurtry um, under the Chronicle of Higher Ed. You do need to register to or get access to the full article, but it is a very interesting read. And what it ultimately starts to raise concerns about is with the rising cost of college. This is especially true for international students. With the writing class of college, does it make sense anymore, right, for a family to be paying $75,000 a year to take courses that have no bearing on the future that their child or the student themselves has decided to pursue, right? That why am I spending a third, right, at, in some cases of my time kind of checking off these boxes, right? Because what that cultivates and the culture that it actually creates while the intent, right, was to produce these well-rounded kids, intent versus reality is a very common thing in the field of education. Like you have all these good, great intentions, but the reality is what's going to happen is by the time you arrive and you meet up with, you know, you started, this was true when I got to college, I started hanging out with some sophomores and juniors and they were all like, oh yeah, these are the classes that are going to give you an easy a that you can take that will fulfill, you, fulfill your graduate requirements and you can do away with them, right? You can do away with that, ge that general education requirement, right? Go take the science of food, right? Where you're just going to, you know, look that you were just going to break down what bread's made of, et cetera, et cetera, and you'll get a science credit, right? That's, is that worth that amount, the amount of money that I'm paying? Right? Is that a skill set? Is that a knowledge set that I'm going to be taking with me when I graduate from university? In casual conversation, sure, right? During COVID, right? My understanding of how to make bread and the science behind it would have probably helped my sourdough projects. But there's a very serious question of return on investment, right? Is and how does a college start to shift to a world of work that is far more built on skills now, right? What a lot of the, like the, the tech boom, right? The introduction of AI, the fact that everything is moving into being very data-driven, right? All of these things are moving into a world where your hireable skill set, right? Is very much a skill set, right? And so... You having, you know, taken an art class and a, you know, and a history class and a psychology class, right? How good is your math, though? 
Like at the end of the day, that's all I care about if I am an employer, because all the other things that you've spent half your time half-heartedly doing, those don't impact your ability to function well in the seat that I need you in. And that has become more true as employers can now select, given how everything has gone online, employers can now select from the entire world, right? Where it's not just about U.S. graduates, it's about you know, where the name of the university can carry them to some degree, right? And speaks to a particular level of education, right? If I can hire someone who is not just cheaper, but better at the things that I need, why do I need you? And so that then leads to, right, this questioning under when, especially during a time when higher ed is under all kinds of scrutiny for all numbers of different things in terms of its policies, in terms of its equity, in terms of all of these other things, one of the biggest things that is coming up is what am I actually paying for really, right? And how, what are you as a school doing to guarantee, right, that there will be a return on investment here, that there will be a, that my child is going to not just get a job, right, but get a lucrative job, get a job that is going to equip them, prepare them, set them up, right, for the rest of their life. Because that, to many families, should be what college is for. Sure, the, the diploma is great, right? Being able to say that you, you went to Harvard, that's awesome, right? But the fundamental reason, ultimately, is that college is supposed to be the stepping stone to a successful professional life and a a level of financial security. And so that then becomes one of these things that I wanted to frame as many students are starting to look at schools this summer. They're going to be going, you're going to be going on summer tours. You're going to be visiting all these campuses, especially because it's the summer, right? A lot of it is going to be an architecture tour, and they're going to talk. Every tour guide is going to praise the awesomeness of their school. That's their job, right? Is to be like, our dorms are great, our food's awesome. Usually, neither of those are true, right? And, you know, here are all these unique, awesome opportunities that you can take. What they won't talk about is gen ed. They will not talk about your graduation requirements and the things that you need to take to fill them and how much of a portion of your learning experience those classes are going to be. And so when you are evaluating your schools, when you're building your school list, right, the curriculum and the graduation requirements are actually a big deal. For some students, that requirement may be great because they don't know what they want to study. And so if I have to take all of these different courses, I'm basically being forced to test things out, to try things out, and maybe there will be something I'll fall in love with. And for some students, that's great. That's perfect, right? But for other students who are already going into a university knowing what they want to do, even just kind of on a cursory calculation, if you're saying that, you know, I'm paying around $60,000, $75,000 a year, right? And I'm completing maybe 18 credits or so per semester, it's 36 credits, right? Um, you're functionally every class that you're taking is like $2,000, Right. And so is the science of food a meaningful $2,000 investment? Right. Is the calculation that a lot of parents 
probably should be thinking about, right? And many parents are, right? Maybe not specifically in those terms, but when evaluating what I am spending my money on and realizing there's a bunch of uses, like you all have gotten gifts where you've purchased the gift, right? Whether it be a laptop or whatever, and it comes with all this other fluff, right? It comes with like a carrying case and some decals and Da, 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 right. And it comes with all this other stuff, right? You know, the, the iPhone, you buy the iPhone, it used to come with the charger. It comes with a pair of wired headphones, which are all back in right now, right? It comes with all this additional stuff, right? And you're like, are they charging me for that? Are those things part of what I paid for? Because I don't need them. And if I could just get them without those, could I pay less, right? Do I, like... If I didn't get the headphones with it, would it be cheaper? Because I already have a pair of headphones, right? Gen Ed now is becoming a little bit like that. And so when evaluating schools, if you are in that group of students and families who's like, yeah, like cost value is very important, Right? then one of the things that you're going to want to take a deeper look at beyond the school itself and the facilities and the opportunities and all those other different things is taking a look at their graduation requirements because every this is probably one of the most varied across the universities. Beyond the curriculum itself, right? the graduation requirements are going to be wildly different from school to school to school. Right? And so it is very important for you to take some time to go onto the websites, to dig into the curriculum, to look at the graduation requirements and actually map it out, right? Map out what a potential four years of pursuing a particular major would look like and take stuff. And many schools will have examples of this, right? Where they have like, here's a model, you know, curriculum for a potential biology major. Download that PDF and look at it and make, and highlight like how many of these courses have nothing to do with this thing that I want to study, Right? And then sit back and look at it and visually look at it and be like, whoa, right? That is a lot of highlighted classes that I am taking to get my diploma that have nothing to do with what I want to do with the diploma that I get. Right? I, I think it's very important because it is a huge part of your learning experience, right? And... Um, you know, and again, as I said, right, there will, of course, be students who were set on doing, you know, computer science when they go and then their classmate convinced them to join a intro to psych class and that they're hooked on psychology and then that becomes their major. Absolutely. Right. Um, and that self-exploration, that self-realization on some level absolutely is worth it. But the reality now and where a lot of the scrutiny, especially along this, along this, uh, line of thinking of the paper is, is that what is the point of these classes, right? Why am I paying for all of these things, right? And, um, and part of it is because during COVID, a lot of parents were able to see what their kids were learning online, right? There were Zoom calls in the living room and parents are able to listen in and they're like, that's where my money's going. And so where a lot of colleges are pivoting now, and therefore this becomes something to really start to look into, right, is how they're framing their classes in the context of skills. As I mentioned, it's all going to be about skills now, 
right? Far more so than about domain knowledge, right? Because you're going to acquire that from your major. But the rest is going to be about skill set, right? Both the like, and a lot of it is going to be the soft skills, right? Of communication, teamwork, right? All of those different things. And then, of course, there's going to be the hard skills of like coding, for example, right? Classroom teaching experience, right? If, the, if that's the path they're heading down. And so what a lot of the colleges are starting to do and be, can become a filter for you to start to look through is certification that they are starting to partner up with professional vocational development companies right to say like if you take this class not only are you going to get credit right for your graduation and you're going to fulfill a gen ed requirement for your graduation you're also going to have a microsoft certificate of kind of excel mastery or whatever right? That rather than frame these just as minors or frame it just as these other things that you must take, right, and earn credit to graduate, let's put the value proposition on what you are going to be and who you're going to be aiming to get into after college, right? And, and I think that's great, right? I think that's super important. The problem Right? And the main issue is that not all schools are offering them just yet. And so when you are evaluating schools, it's important to look into this. I was doing um, some school research with one of my students who wants to go into architecture. right? And um, we were looking at the University of Cincinnati. And the University of Cincinnati not only offers kind of your baseline bachelors of architecture, et cetera, but if you want to, you can complete classes that will give you a certificate of interior design from a well-known interior design firm. They will give you a certificate of urban landscaping from the state government, from Ohio. So you have all of these things where, oh, I immediately get why that could be useful because if I, within my lane of architecture, if I want to do urban landscaping, right, this certificate is something I can definitively put on my resume that I know is going to do something for me, right? Whereas a food science course may not, right? And so a lot of schools are looking to partner to figure out where professional certification can fit into the curriculum, where skills can look and work into the curriculum, right? But also to start to think about how to offer credit for internships, for co-op, for all of these other, for things that reward practical, hands-on, professional working experience. But those are not all schools, right? And so if if cost, right, and better understanding the product that you are going to be spending, you know, $300,000 on is important, right? Part of the research that you need to do is to dig deeper into, well, what do I have to take to get my degree, right? Now, for certain families and certain subjects, like if you get into Princeton, you're going to Princeton, right? Regardless of how many graduation requirements there may be. But I think that it is a level of research that is very, very important when building out your list and kind of envisioning what your learning experience is going to be, what your options are going to be when you get to the school, but also what your options are going to be and how equipped you are going to be when you graduate. Okay. And, and so this article raises that question. It gives some examples of what schools are trying to pivot to, but what it ultimately comes down to is you as a family, right. And working with your consultant, right. What is the due diligence here? 
right? How much do we need to look into things, right? And that's part of how I help students with their school list, right? Is exactly kind of what I mentioned with you, Cincinnati, right? And as we're talking through it, right, the kid who initially was just like, oh, wherever, whatever school offers the Bachelor of Architecture is fine. As we're going through, he's like, wait, are there more schools that do this, that give you all these professional certification options that require a co-op in order to graduate, right? Because if they're requiring a co-op, the implication there is they have the resources and the connections and the network to guarantee your ability to get a co-op. Otherwise, they cannot mandate it, right? Are there school, other schools that have a mandatory co-op? Are there other schools that not just have architecture but become more granular in their offerings to look at interior design, urban landscaping, all of these other different things? Okay, now the student has a much clearer articulation of this is what I need out of a university to get value, right? As opposed to whoever accepts me, I guess I'll go. Because I'm sure it's got a good name. It's got to be awesome. It doesn't guarantee that it will be awesome for you. Okay? So take some time. Do some research. Reach out to me. Right? Whatever. But I do think that the heightened scrutiny around the cost and the continually rising cost for no reason, right, of universities combined with just the reality of the world of work becoming much more skill-oriented, right? That I want to see evidence, right, of that the student's ready to work, right? Not ready to study a bunch of different things and take up and, and check things off. I want students who have initiative. I want students who can work well with each other. I want students who know how to manage up and manage down, right? I want students who have all of those things on top of a high technical skill set, not a lot of a lot of colleges right now aren't that's not their product and so if you are in the process of thinking about college right now you're catching us universities at this transition point where some schools are being very proactive about it and some aren't so do your research right look into this there is there are schools that have sensed this change and are doing things about it and there are other schools who are like no we're good enough as we are we still need all our kids to do everything and that can end up being a huge difference like you're going to be spending a ton of money one way or another right but how you decide on what is a good roi how you decide on what is of value needs to be must be more nuanced right then you know is it warm and are you near a big city so that would be my encouragement that would be my advice for this right given this a read the article the article is great right but also really take some time to dig into what a school demands of you and decide are those demands and the costs of those demands worth it Right? Or is there another school who I know exactly, I'm getting exactly what I pay for and the money that I'm spending on it, I can clearly see just from this that I will be getting so much more out. Okay, so um, 
it's a lot, I know, and there's a lot to take in, I know. Um, but that is kind of part of the challenge of thinking about university during this particular time. We haven't even gone to the U.S. Supreme Court case yet, but during this particular time where there is fluctuation in what is the point of university, especially when it costs a quarter of a million dollars, right? So do your due diligence, reach out to me, I'm happy to help, but make sure you are thinking about it that way, right? What am I paying for? Am I going to get out of it what I want out of it? Right? Because there's enough variety, there's enough variance in U.S. university options where there will be a school that will give you the bang for your buck that you are looking for. All right. Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic, gen ed requirements and the cost of education. Uh, join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Do subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date as well. Uh, reminder, we do have that event coming on June 18th. Um, if you want to find out more about that and other upcoming events throughout the year, please go to tokyoacademics.com slash events that is tokyoacademics.com slash events and if you have direct feedback from me or have some questions you want answered or you think there is something that you would like to hear more of on the podcast do reach out to me directly at uh, tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com that is tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com that's it for today and remember the key to getting in is getting ready